Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I, of course, am your host, Rodrigo, and we've got a, a great show for you this evening. We're going to start here in just a moment with uh, another great round of Coach's Corner, and I'll introduce the guys uh, in a moment. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by Hunter Bremer. Uh, he is the uh, Golf Partnership and Outreach Manager at BioLite, which is a new, uh, I don't want to call it an energy drink. I'll let him talk about it, but it's uh, it's sort of uh, new on the market and uh, has a lot of great qualities, and we'll get the backstory on that. But he'll be joining me a little bit later on uh, in the broadcast. But um, I just want to uh, start off by uh, just offering our condolences to uh, the Siller family. Of course, I was just telling the guys off air, we were talking a little bit about, uh, of course, it was in the news last weekend that uh, uh, Director of Instruction at the Pine Tree Country Club in Kennesaw, Georgia, uh, was shot uh, dead uh, on the premises. Um, obviously, the police are still investigating and so forth, so we don't have a lot of details at this point, uh, but we certainly wanted to offer as a uh, fellow uh, professional in the industry, we just wanted to express our condolences to the Siller family and to, to their friends, and uh, we hope that this gentleman, who unfortunately is still at large, uh, is caught uh, uh, shortly and, and uh, is, is brought to justice. But our, our deepest heartfelt uh, condolences and that to the Siller family uh, a uh, very, very tragic uh, uh, set of circumstances. And uh, as I said, we're still uh, sort of getting some of the details uh, a little bit each day. But uh, again, our condolences to the family. Um, all right, I'm going to introduce the guys here, and uh, and then we'll get into tonight's uh, panel discussion. Joining me, of course, uh, first up is Paul Castor. He is one of the country's leading golf coaches, recognized by Golf Digest as one of the country's best teachers uh, since 2017. He's been twice honored by U.S. Kids Golf as one of their top 50 kids coaches. Uh, he works with golfers of all skill levels, including professionals who have competed in majors. Uh, 17 of his junior clients have qualified for the World Championships held each year at Pinehurst. Uh, he serves on the advisory boards of Foresight Sports and 40 Motion Sports and is a Level 2 TPI certified Aimpoint Golf and Science and Motion Sports Level 3 certified Super Speed Golf Coach. Also joining on the panel tonight is a good friend, John Hughes. He's a PGA Master Professional, Honorary President of the North Florida PGA Section, and was a recipient of the 2013 PGA of America's Horton Smith Award. And he's also a senior editor at Golf Tips Magazine, as well as a top 25 instructor, uh, and also part of uh, Golf Tips advisory staff. And rounding out the panel, another uh, good friend is Pete Buchanan. He is the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which of course houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit 
and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. And he's been a helping golfers focus on building a repeatable swing, and he's been teaching this great game for over 30 years. Guys, welcome to Coach's Corner. How are you doing? Good, Ted. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Good I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, as always. And uh, just one more thought. Just I know um, I was asking you guys before we came on air if any of you knew uh, Gene at all, and, and I'm assuming uh, across the board, John, I didn't really get a chance to ask you, but I'm assuming uh, that you didn't know him at all, or did you know him? I met him one time a long time ago, uh, but I have not had any contact with him in a long time. Yeah, and as I was mentioning to the other guys, you know, obviously the PGA of America is a very large organization, so there's a lot of professionals over, I think, 29,000 of them uh, to date. Uh, so obviously uh, you're not going to get to know each and every one of them. You do get to meet a lot of them over the years, but uh, very, very sad news for the industry uh, and obviously for the family in general. And, and uh, again, our, our heartfelt condolences go out to the Siller family um, at this uh, very difficult time I'm, uh, I'm sure that they're dealing with. All right, guys, we're going to talk about a few things, and then I'm going to uh, ask some fun questions a little bit later on. But the first thing we're going to talk about, and uh, John, I'm going to start with you if you don't mind, and then uh, Paul and Pete will kind of go in that order. Um, we're going to talk about a few things. The first one is instinct, uh, an innate sort of typically fixed pattern of behavior, if you will, in, in animals to, res- to respond to certain uh, stimuli, if you will. Uh, give you an example, birds have an uh, an instinct to build nests, uh, a natural or intuitive way of acting or thinking uh, is another way. So my question to you is, when you think of instinct, how might a golfer tap into and even apply his or her instinct to better their game on the golf course? Great question. Peter, Paul, great to – Pete, rather, and Paul, great to be on the show with you as always. Thanks for the opportunity Let me first go in a 180-degree direction and state that all the clients I have, I tell them golf from a problem-solving standpoint of view is probably counterintuitive to what you're thinking. However, your instincts, your gut reactions can be best applied as you're self-managing. Let me explain. Most people think you go out and manage the golf course or course management. Well, the higher powers to be manage the course and the superintendent in conjunction with those higher powers to be manage the golf course. You can only manage yourself. Most of the time when you manage yourself, you're going to be very instinctually driven to do things that are, A, most comfortable for you, B, you can sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel if it's a problem, and C, fulfilling, sustaining, and completing whatever it is that you instinctually want to do is you can, it's a little bit easier path to get there. That comes into play when you're picking a club, when you're figuring out a lie, when you're trying to decide what shot to hit. But when you go to diagnose your swing, you're most likely going to be intuitive or instinctual. And the reason why I say it's counterintuitive is because if you think about any instruction you've ever had, you'll be trying to do something to correct it, and your coach will have you do the opposite. And that's because we're Mm -hmm. diagnosing things backwards from ball flight to impact where you're most likely so consumed with how you're bringing the club back and what your 
top of the position might be, transition position. You're so consumed with that, you're no longer instinctual, and that's really key. Instinctual is, a, is somewhat impulsive, but doing the things that are easy for you to do, you make good decisions, you're able to follow through with them. Don't, when it comes to being instinctual and trying to be your own coach, get Pete, Paul, myself, you, get somebody to help you with that so you understand the difference between instinctual and counterintuitiveness. Great points. And, and, you know, also, too, John, I think that a lot of players out there tap into that instinct, you know, when they're faced with specific shots. To give you an example, you know, sometimes they might have to play over a, a small lake or pond um, with their tee shot. And, um, you know, a lot of times, or it may have a, a body of water that may run down one side or the other of, of the fairway. And a lot of times, you know, their instinct, uh, or rather their sort of grip and rip it uh, mentality sort of comes into play. And sometimes that might not always be the best shot. So sometimes that instinct can work to their benefit to say, you know what, I know I can't make it over there, uh, you know, or maybe to going for the green. I know I can't reach that green in two. Uh, so instinctively they know that and uh, might find themselves laying up and, and putting themselves in a better position, which ideally is going to help them in the long run. So instinct definitely, as you pointed out, is something that uh, they can tap into, uh, but they also have to be mindful that they don't, be counterintuitive as well. Um, Paul, I'm going to come to you on this one, and we're going to talk about feel. Uh, feel, of course, is being aware of a person or object through touching or being touched, uh, perceive sense, uh, detect, and that sort of thing. Um, some golfers claim to develop a sense of feel like a well-struck golf shot. Others feel the breeze blowing in their face, allowing some others uh, to alter their strategy on a given shot. Um, where some don't have any claim to have not any sense of feel. What are your thoughts on feel and if it can or cannot help? Uh, I think there's, uh, I think feel matters a lot in golf. It can absolutely help. I think it's a real thing. Um, I think Nicholas maybe said uh, that the only way that you develop feel is through practice, you know, so what we're, a lot of what we're doing in our practice is starting to, uh, get an understanding of how big a golf swing produces a ball that goes a certain distance. Um, we're not obviously making full swings all the way around the golf course. There's lots of little touch shots, uh, partial shots that we have to hit in golf to be able to fly the ball in between yardages or just little distance wedges. And the only way to develop, a, you know, a sense for how biggest swing to make or how fast to swing the golf club to hit those shots is by doing some practice and doing it over time so that you can develop develop an instinct uh, for the proper shot to play. Um, and, you know, I think that, um, you know, something that I, I feel like I, I've had in my head for a long time is the sound of a solid shot. Um, and it's probably because I hit a lot of practice balls growing up. And, um, and so I know what that, what that feels like. And it's easier to, to find that when you have it in there in, in your brain. So, you know, I think those are definitely feel is a real thing. I think being aware of, of the conditions when you're uh, standing over a golf ball and there are lots of stories about 
12 T at Augusta and the players, mm-hmm. you know, being tricked by the wind that swirls around down there in the bottom of the golf course. So, um, it can be of benefit to you. And sometimes if you're too aware or, uh, or maybe you get tricked, it can, it can, uh, get you, uh, once in a while, but it's a, it's a real thing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, I, I really want to point out something, too, that you mentioned was really about some of those, those small shots or those finesse shots, if you will. Um, feel definitely a thing. I mean, I know myself, and I think we've all been down this road when, you know, you obviously develop a, a, a feel or a touch, if you will, sometimes might refer to it as that, uh, when you've been out practicing for a little while. But when you haven't had time, as, as we can all attest to, especially now when we're busy giving lessons all the time, uh, in the thick of the summer, if you will, uh, we don't always get a chance to work on our games. And sometimes when you haven't been out to the range for a little bit uh, to work on your own game, uh, it's very easy to momentarily lose a little bit of that feel. Um, you know, what might be uh, common, uh, you know, uh, execution of, of those little finesse shots on a regular consistent basis suddenly aren't as consistent anymore when you haven't been out there practicing for a little while. So I, I'm a firm believer in feel. Uh, same thing as you mentioned, a well-struck golf shot. There's a, uh, a certain sound. Uh, you know, I was actually just this past weekend, I was out at the, at the range and hitting some balls. And uh, before I, you know, as I was warming up and getting ready to, to do my thing, I could hear a, a few people behind me and I didn't even have to look. I could tell which ones hit a good solid shot and which ones didn't just by the sound. Um, and I felt like turning around and saying, okay, you guys want to hit those shots again so I can see which one of you is doing a good job. But, um, you know, so you're exactly right in, in all of your points, and you hit them very well. Pete, I'm going to come to you, and, and I'm going to you. give you the – you're very welcome. Uh, visualization, uh, the representation of an object, situation, or set of information as a chart or other image, uh, the formation of a mental image of something. Um, this is the biggie. Um, this is something from start to finish of a round – visualization, not just seeing what happens, but actually visualizing what we want to happen uh, is a big part. We hear a lot of players, like uh, as Paul just pointed out, Nicholas, uh, a lot of times was always trying to visualize those shots. Maybe you can touch on that a little bit. Well, yeah, that is a big one, um, definitely. Um, and visualization can work for you and against you also. But, you know, I think you have to have uh, some sort of an idea of what you're trying to do and, and get a picture of that in your mind of what you want to do. And I think that leads then to being able to put yourself in a setup to achieve the shot you're looking for. I also think visually when you're looking at, especially the short shots, looking at distances can also give you a great sense of, you know, swing pace, swing feel uh, for how far you're going to hit it based on what you see. But I also think you have to use that visualization to your advantage when it can turn negative. I mean, if you're somebody who's missed the ball to the right all day long and you step upon the tee and there's water to the right, well, now you've got to, you've got to be careful that that visual doesn't creep into and, you know, and, and cause you to make an error to hit it in there anyway. So I think, you know, visualization can be a, a great tool for you to use. And I think you do need some pictures of, of what you're trying to do. I think for me, I always try to teach them all, you know, first off the bat, what are we trying to do and what does that look like? You know, whether it's a pitch, a chip, a putt, bunker shots, full shot, you know, if you can see it from start to finish, what would it look like? And so if you have that picture in your mind, then what are we going to have to do to achieve it? And so I think that 
format of looking at shots that way can really help to, to put you in, in a situation where you can figure out how to set up to make them happen. But it also, you know, as was mentioned before, and you were talking about it, then you can visualize a shot and then ask yourself, can I actually do it? You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you may not be able to. You might be able to range a few times, but now you're out there on, under the gun, and can you pull this off? You know, you may not be able to. So you have to have the fortitude to be able to say, you know, or the instinct as you're talking about board and say, you know what, that's probably not a good idea right now. And I think, you know, those types of situations turn, you know, pars into doubles. And so you can, you know, turn it the other direction. So I think visually is, is really a huge key for what you're trying to do. I think you should always have a picture in your mind of, of what's necessary and the shots that you're trying to hit, uh, as I said before, because it leads you to be able to then ask yourself, can you do it? And then what setup do I need to achieve it? And how am I going to make this happen? So, yeah, it's a, it's a big part. And I think, you know, not enough players do it. Um, you know, I think too often they're just hitting and they're, they'll look at the visual after. Uh, but I think you need to look at right. it before so you can understand what you're trying to do uh, and then it leads you into a, a place that you can get it done. Yeah, great points as well, Pete. And, uh, you know, you hit it right on the head. I mean, a, a lot of players, unfortunately, um, what actually happens doesn't always mimic what they visualize they would like for it to happen. Um, and, and you know what? It, it's not always going to happen. Even for the pros, it doesn't happen that way. But if you, you know, if you understand um, that visualization is is very, very important. You want to know that, first off, you want to know the surroundings around you. I mean, what you're going to be dealing with, that's part of it as well when you're stepping up to the tee. As an example, you want to see what's out there. Are there bunkers out there? Is there, you know, hazards out there that you need to be conscious of? Um, but then you also want to visualize the type of shot that you want to hit. Um, you know, maybe, you know, it's not always, believe it or not, um, you know, always say we like to hit dead straight down the fairway. Well, you know, sometimes that might not be the best shot off the tee. Sometimes you might have to lay up a little bit depending on, on the circumstances and the level of your play. Uh, sometimes you might want to be on one side or the other of the fairway, maybe uh, to give yourself a, a better approach shot to the green, as an example. Uh, maybe there's a hazard out in the middle of the fairway, maybe a, a water hazard or what have you, a stream or what have you, and uh, you're not able to carry it with your tee shot, you might have to lay up. So you know, visualizing what you need to do and and making that part of your game plan and part of your pre-shot uh, and, and uh, routine and, and then obviously executing it is, is extremely important. And all areas that we just covered are extremely important, um, and they all play a, a key role in becoming a better player, whether it be instinct. Obviously, you develop that more over time and, as well as feel, uh, but visualization is something as well that you can use throughout. All right, so I said we were going to start with uh, – with that, and then we're going to kind of move into some, uh, I think, some more fun questions, if you will. Uh, so I'm going to come back to the beginning, and and, and some of these questions I, I may ask of all of you just to get you know your own perspectives on it. But uh, John, I'm going to come back to you, and then uh, Paul and Pete. Um, so John, can amateurs learn from watching the pros? And if so, what specifically would you want them to learn? Great question, and it happens all the time. We start mimicking from the moment we're cognizant that somebody's doing something. We'll just watch young kids, especially toddlers, and and they start mimicking everything that they see, whether it's uh, shouting out or making a movement. And we as adults, we as uh, parents, we as older people, 
still mimic. We may not mimic as well as we did when we were young, but we still mimic. And most of the time when you're watching someone on TV, the first thing that your brain's picking up is tempo, the smoothness, the rhythm of that professional swing. And and at some point, you're going to gravitate to a player based on their tempo. It's probably going to most likely match your circadian rhythms, the beat of the drummer that you march to every day. Um, uh, When I started playing a lot, uh, it was was a Fred Couples. It was a uh, Mm -hmm. Davis Loves the Third. It was was people with long, silky, smooth Mm -hmm. swings. Even though I'm not anywhere as tall or as long-limbed as they were, or are, I should say, my temperament is more their tempo. Uh, and I sort mm-hmm. of gravitated towards that. You, If you can gravitate towards somebody who's built more like you, that's fantastic. But please keep in mind, as you mimic and as you see these swings, they're honed over multiple millions of shots. And mm-hmm. as I tell people, if I had, uh, if I had, magic dust in my pocket i should certainly wouldn't be sprinkling it on somebody but when you're visioning somebody swing on tv that is part of the magic dust that you own if you're paying attention to tempo if you're paying attention to rhythm and just understanding their temperament as i go about playing i think if you look at those three items you can Mm -hmm. mimic a pro and get some success out of it yeah, I, I couldn't agree um, uh, more. You know, Paul, I'm going to phrase this a little bit differently for you. You know, one of the things that I think we have to be careful of, though, and I think people misunderstand this, um, I think there's a lot of good things that we can learn from watching the pros on TV um, that can specifically help. I think, as John pointed out, you know, there's certain things that, you know, again, if, you, if you're somebody that maybe has a little slower uh, uh, tempo and not a uh, quick tempo like a, a Nick Price, let's say. Somebody like a Freddie or, or some of the other ones like that might be uh, somebody to, that you'd want to watch, especially if they're close to your build. Um, but there's other things, too, that we want to be careful of that they're not trying to uh, duplicate exactly what they're doing because it may not work for them. What are your thoughts here? What would you like to see um, if you were encouraging some of your students to watch uh, you know, a PGA event, as an example, what would you want them to, to take notice of? Uh, I think there are a lot of things. Um, there are there are things uh, in the full swing especially that are very personal to each of us, and you have to be careful yep. um, about what you try to copy um, because uh, the way people swing a golf club, uh, you know, in the full swing, it, it's a lot of it is based on, uh, their dimensions and their mobility and, you know, each of us has kind of different movement patterns. So um, like John said, tempo uh, is definitely something you want to watch. I think you can also, um, you know, pay attention to how these days with shot tracer, we, we can see patterns with players' ball flights and you're going to see that most of these players have a dominant ball flight. Um, if you're following mm-hmm. a particular player, <clears throat> um, you know, for instance, Rory McIlroy just, uh, you know, recently talked about how he'd switched from a draw with his driver to a fade. And you'll see how most of uh, the best players in the world play one basic ball flight 
with a driver with their irons and then they kind of move that ball flight around the golf course and and trying to manage uh themselves and i you know course manage according to that ball flight so that's kind of useful it's one of the neat things about having shot tracer now um on the uh, on telecasts uh there are a lot of short game shots um that you mm-hmm. can learn from watching really good players um we can uh we can watch pre-shot routines and and try to figure out how these players are going through their thought process, how they're working their way through shots, um, and notice that they're not, they're taking their time, they're obviously chatting through certain things with their caddies to try to come up with a good decision so that they can make a committed swing to a smart yep. target, right? So those are, I think all of those things are, are um, I mean, I know when I, I learned how to play when I was a kid, I was lucky to be able to go to some PGA Tour events and, it was very, very impactful for me. Um, and we definitely mimic, like John said. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And you, you raised some, some great points as well. And, and uh, I like, you know, too, that you emphasize, that, again, um, you know, that we are uniquely different. And some things are, are you know, going to be things that we can benefit from, from watching. And uh, But, we, again, we have to be mindful that we're all – built a little bit differently from one another. There are certainly similarities in that. Um, but Pete, something too that I think that I really want people to take away, and, and they both sort of alluded to this uh, in, in, in their conversation, and, and that is really the sort of the rhythm and the, and the, and the tempo. Um, you don't get to appreciate it, I think, Pete, as much on television because they're hopping from shot to shot. But if you actually get to go to a, an event and you follow players along, and you watch their cadence and their rhythm of how they play, there's a lot of things that they can pick up. And as Paul just pointed out, in their short game particularly, and I know that's an area that, that you like to, uh, you know, to focus on is the short game and, and uh, making good content. So um, what are your thoughts here? What can we learn from the pros? Uh, and, and what do you see um, your students benefiting from maybe either going to an event or at least watching an event? What can they pick up? Well, everyone's made some great points so far. I think when you're looking at the the rhythm or the the motion that the players make, I mean, their their hands and arms and their bodies are so well in sync that it looks, you know, as I always tell them, it looks so smooth because they're doing everything together. Even though they have their own little idiosyncrasies of how they move, they're all moving those pieces in a combination that makes it, you know, not only effective, but also makes it look so smooth. There's no real, you know, jerky heave motions that, you know, we mm-hmm. see on the teaching tee all the time, but, you know, half the people are throwing themselves at it, you know, and, instead of trying to swing the golf club as well. So they don't have anything in sync. So I always like to tell them, just watch the, watch the motions that they're making and, and see how they go and, and watch how they're the same all the time. And also watch their routines. They do the same things all the time. Watch them from start to finish. Watch the setups. Watch how they move. You know, their pre-shot routines are the same all the time, and, and they're important. And if they get interrupted, watch them because they'll start over from the beginning. You know, so it's it's, a, it's something definitely there to watch. And I always like to, to have them watch the short game shots as well, too, and watch how many different types of shots they can hit. You know, mm-hmm. most of the players that we see, they don't have a, a repertoire of short game shots. They have, you know, here's my 60, and I'm going to go at it from everywhere. 
you know, and you have to have an abundance of different types of shots that you can play, which is only going to make you better. And it goes back to instinct. It goes back to feel. And, you know, practicing those mm-hmm. different shots creates both of those. So I like them to watch mm-hmm. the short shots as well and, and to watch the time they take to set themselves up to play them. Um, you know, watch them when they get up to a short shot around the green. Watch them walk up to the green. They're looking at where they want to land the ball. They're looking at the landscape. They're visualizing what's happening. You know, pay attention to those types of things because they're important for you to do the same thing. I mean, they're always looking at what they're trying to accomplish and, and trying to set those up, what conditions they have. And um, so to me, I, I'm always, you know, not in particular about the actual swing themselves, but just watching the rhythm of them, the routines, and, you know, the short, short game shots that they play. And, you know, take note of those because they don't always play a straight-up, straightforward shot that you think they're going to play. And uh, they have a whole yep. bunch of shots that they can use. And, you know, I always tell them, too, and they're not going to play something on the course they haven't practiced. You know, to them, it's right. an advantage. So they practice all those shots. So, you know, try to pay attention to those and then and go back and try to play some of those. Put them in your game and see if you can hit, you know, different trajectories and shots into the green and uh, different runs, different heights, and uh, put those in there because it's just going to help your score. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and sometimes what, what's interesting, guys, is what you don't see. Um, you know, a lot of times we – you know, we, we see on TV and we're, you know, we're getting different views of camera uh, angles and so forth. And a lot of times, you know, we'll see a, a player and, you know, he hits a shot and you're thinking, okay, he's, he's out in the middle of the green, it's safe, but that's not very close to the pin. You know, what's wrong here? Why didn't he do that? And there may be circumstances that we're not aware of because we're not seeing everything. And I know the announcers try to, you know, drum up certain scenarios and, and try to give us a general idea of what they're faced with, but sometimes they get it wrong. And, you know, so sometimes what you don't see uh, is just as important to take note of. If a player's laying up, for instance, you might say, well, why is he laying up? Uh, well, there might be reasons and that he's obviously only aware of and, and uh, you're not going to necessarily know at the time, but those are things that they're, they're going through their mind. So I think sometimes just watching the players um, and not so much trying to analyze their swing exactly, you know, the positions they're doing and so forth, but just sort of the, the, the overall cadence and rhythm of their swing and how effortless it looks. I mean, some of the players, particularly like an Ernie L is another one. I mean, good gosh, he hits it a mile, but it looks like he hardly even swung at the club, swung the club. Um, and Freddie Couples, again, was another one uh, like that as well. Um, all right, so here's, John, I want to come back to you. This is a little bit different, kind of a, similar to the same question, uh, but I thought this one was kind of a unique twist. So, um, can the men learn something from watching the ladies on the LPGA play? And if so, what can they learn? Absolutely. And that's a statement I hear almost out of every male golf guy coach. And they list things that they learn from patience to smoothness to uh, uh, coping with no length is a is a neat way of putting it. The ladies just don't hit it as far as the men. And the men that I coach are at all as to not only how far the women do hit it, but because they're not as mm-hmm. long as professional men, what they're able to do with their skills. They're, they mention a lot of their stick-to-itiveness uh, is a great mm-hmm. word to use. That come thick or thin, they're in the moment, 
they're there, they're working the problem, they're trying to get the ball in the hole as few strokes as possible, and they seem to do it with calmness. Very few of the ladies are excitable. Uh, the ones that are excitable are, are normally the ones that can create an exciting shot yet, just like the men fall apart in the middle of the round. Uh, the other thing I've heard a lot from the men watching the females, whether it's on TV or in person, because we get two or three different LPGA and Symmetra Tour events through my area. Mm-hmm. My clientele comes from all over the world, so they get to see them too, is how personable they are, that they are very real people. As much as TV portrays them to be almost semi-robotic, in in ways mm-hmm. that these ladies are people, they they have the same attributes and life issues that everybody else has, <laughs> but they tend to go about their day much happier than most people. If there has been some of the comments that have been given back to me by my clientele when they're looking at a lady professional golfer, no matter what the tour, these are the things they're picking up. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And they they tend to ha- have more, and this is a word you use a lot in your uh, vernacular, John, and that is fun. They have a lot of they, they you know, when you watch some of these they LPGA do. events, I mean, you know, they have a lot of fun. And you know, whether it's uh, you know one of their majors or whether it's uh, you know a a, a regional uh, event, uh, you know, in the teaching professional side. Uh, they go out and they have fun and they enjoy it. They're, you know, I, I've spoken to a lot of corporate types that have played in pro-ams with the ladies and they just really, really have a great time. And I think it, it goes to something you said. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Sydney and I, of course, as most of you know, uh, I, my other show, Women of Golf, every Tuesday, um, you know, we interview the winners from the Symmetra Tour. And, you know, we've had some young girls in their early 20s come on there and, and gosh, I mean, they're belting at some of them 285 yards. Uh, and longer, and uh, you know that's hitting past most men. Um, but you know their short game is really what they're focusing on because they know that's what they're going to score with. Um, so you're exactly right. I think there's so many things that we can learn from watching the ladies. Uh, in some t- cases, maybe even more so uh, than the men. Um, Paul, I'm going to ask you a different question. You're welcome to add any uh, additional comments here as well, but. Uh, you know, everybody wants to hit the long ball. We always hear, how can I hit it further? Uh, and what are the secrets to hitting the long ball, if, if any? Um, are there any? If I want to hit the ball further, what do I got to do? Well, uh, there are some things that can help. Um, the question is, you know, physically, first, you want to, you want to know if you can physically do them without uh, getting, well, hurt. Uh, you want to avoid avoid injury. Um, and, you know, I think there are things that we can do with our kids when they're young to help them be in a place where they can hit it as far as possible when they're adults, uh, when they're older. So um, we know that kids have a, basically a window within which they can learn how to swing the club as fast as possible. Um, so they have speed windows uh, during their development. Um, and basically before, for the most part, they're about 13 or 14, we want them really developing the ability to swing the club fast. Um, I think that people who play baseball um, at some level, uh, 
develop faster hands. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, see, I see that actually pretty regularly with, you know, people who uh, seem to be able to create a lot of club head speed and, and they're, they have some baseball background um, because of the throwing motion and, and the strength that you develop in your wrists and the sequence of, of the motion. Um, but, you know, a simple thing to hit the ball further is trying to get your hands higher in the top of your backswing. Um, obviously, you have to have a certain amount of shoulder mobility uh, to be able to get your hands high up above you. Um, but the higher you can get them, um, generally speaking, the more speed you're going to create. Um, doing things like training with uh, uh Speed training sets like Super Speed Golf. Um, we know that that's how Phil g- gained a lot of his speed, um, you know. And he started relatively late with, uh, uh, very late, you know. But uh, one obviously won the PGA in large part because he can hit these hellacious seeds now, right? So uh, <laughs> that's uh, you know it's a big thing, and it's and it's something that you can do. You just want to make sure that your body is in a in a good place to be able to do it. Yeah, some great, uh, again, great points. And, and I think, you know, sometimes, listen, just making good solid contact can add yards to your oh, yeah. shot or what have Definitely. you. I mean, you know, a lot of people spend so much time trying to muscle the ball out there, and yet, you know, just like I, I mentioned earlier, you know, when I was on the range this past weekend and I could hear just by the sound when people were making good solid contact – and I've seen some people that, you know, hit a little off center or don't hit it flush. And, you know, they still hit it pretty straight because they're, they're, overall their swing's pretty good. But they might maybe hit it 125 yards, you know, whatever club they got in their hand. And then I hit them, uh, see them hit one that's more flush. And, you know, they're hitting it now 140 yards or 150 yards. So right there and then just making good solid contact, um, uh, you know, can, can add some, some extra yards. So there's a lot of, obviously, variances, and, and I agree with what you said. I think you really have to really be assessed properly because I see a lot of people out there just trying to, you know, pardon the expression, but murder the ball, thinking that that's going to do it. And, and again, if they're out of their own tempo or timing, uh, it, it's going to create havoc. Um, again, as I mentioned, you know, somebody like an Ernie Els, who certainly can generate a lot of club head speed but looks very effortless doing it. Um, you don't see him trying to move heaven and earth um, you know, in his golf swing, but yet he can put it out there a long way. And as he said, as you said, you know, he's getting his hands up high. He's getting a good uh, extension in the back swing, which gives him uh, a wider arc, and he's able to come through the ball uh, with uh, a little bit more speed. And but again, he's accurate off the tee because he's making good solid contact. So great points. I I, I really appreciate that. All right, Pete, I'm going to ask you this one um, again, a different question. Uh, a lot of misconceptions in golf um, over the years. Uh, maybe you can think of a few that amateurs need to know. What are some misconceptions that you've come across through your career that amateurs really need to know? Wow, that's a loaded one. There's a lot of stuff. Um, you know, <laughs> Just pick a few. Um, Just pick a couple. <laughs> pick a few. Well, you know, I think more than anything else, you know, I, I think probably the, the the biggest misconception is, you know, there's there's not as much to the golf swing as they think there is. 
Um, you know, I get people all the time that, you know, I'll say, well, explain to me what you're trying to do. And, um, you know, I get a novel of, of all these different types of movements they're trying to make. And, you know, I, I think more than anything else, the, the, the game and the movements are more simple than, than they actually really are. So I think that's a, that's a big misconception on, on how the swing actually should work. Um, you know, there's definitely, there's some, there's some movements that have to be made, but I think they try to make it way more complex than it actually really is. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, to, to me, the other one, the, the, the biggest misconception I think when players are looking at trying to score is that I think they have it all backwards. I mean, they're so caught up in, in trying to drive the ball as far as they can. And, and don't get me wrong, distance mm. is helpful. But I think for, for the masses, they need to spend more time 40 yards away from the green and on in. I, th- I think they've just got it backwards. They don't understand what, what really scoring in golf is all about. You know, they may they may mm-hmm. be able to do some things, but they don't understand how they have to practice it to make it work. And, and to me, that's a big one. And, you know, and, and a lot of times I'll, I'll get somebody for a lesson and say, well, we're going to go spend this whole hour within 40 yards. And I can see the look on their face when they start off because all they want to do is bomb drivers out there. But, you know, I, I try to get them to understand the value of what we're trying to do here. Um, you know, there's, there's, we, we can take some time to bomb them out there, but, you know, even when you get it out there, you still have to score. So I think it's a little bit yep. backwards in their view of, of what they're trying to do as far as how to score in the game. And then, you know, I think, too, um, gosh, you know, it's, it's just a, you know, to me, I think in the emphasis of trying to get, you know, solid contact, I think there's also a misconception there of, of you know what actually is going to provide that. I think the, the the details of you know to me, I think the angle of attack is probably one of the ones that's so misconstrued that that golfers mm-hmm. don't really understand. And it, it's so important for them to understand that the ball's in the ground, so the club has to go up, down, and back up again. And so you've got to get the ball somewhere near it when it levels off, so you've got a chance to hit it pretty solid. And I think they lose sight of that, and they don't really understand you know, that, that downward motion of, of how the club swings down versus, you know, a driver, uh, which, you know, for most of them, they're going to benefit swinging up at it. So I think there's a little bit of misconception yep. on, you know, if you're going to get solid contact, you know, what needs to be done. And, you know, I think I think the masses are really good at, at when they show up and, and you ask them about their swing, I think they're really good at telling us what their symptoms are, but they mm. really have no idea what the causes are. So there's another one there, that, yeah. you know, from a from a very massive standpoint, cause and effect. They just they don't understand, and if they understood it a little better, they'd be better at what they're doing. And so I think overall, that's that's one big misconception that I've continued to see, because I was, you know, with John Jacobs, I was trained in that. I mean, that's how I started. I started with cause and effect mm-hmm. with John himself, and so you know, yeah. it's such a big eye opener to see that. And I think still to this day, I mean, I'm I'm 38 years into teaching this game, and I still find very few people that really understand cause and effect. They just don't understand it. And so I think that's that's a big misconception. And I I would love to see, you know, really really worked on and and, and the masses being able to understand that a lot better. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people spend too much time on things that really um, are not producing what they want. And I think if they understand what's causing the problem, 
that cause and effect, as you suggest, I think they would have an easier time understanding instead of getting into all of the, the technical jargon and technical terms that we often get thrown around in, in our industry, I think sometimes does it a, a bit of a disservice. All right, this question I've got, uh, last one I've got for each of you, it's the same question, and I thought this would be, as I mentioned, I'd kind of throw a little bit of fun in here. So, John, I'm going to start with you and, and then uh, Paul and Pete. Uh, if you had any tour pro's ear for an hour or two, what would the discussion be about? Name the player. If you had a moment, if somebody said, okay, John, uh, you're going to sit down with any tour player, male or female, that's out there right now, who would it be, and what would the discussion be about? What would you want to talk to them about? That's a tough question for me because I get that opportunity two or three times a year and have spoken with anyone from Davis Love III to Bryson DeChambeau to Arnold Palmer to uh, Stacey Lewis to um, Si Young Kim. Jeez, um, if, I, if I had to, wow, that's a tough question. I, I would tell you the conversations are are me picking their brain with things that are pertinent to them as an individual. So I'll give you an, uh, uh, an example. I got to walk with Bryson DeChambeau four years ago at Bay Hill, and then again the following year during the Pro-Am. And the second year I asked him, and he remembered exactly who I was. We're both FlightScope ambassadors. We had talked or exchange some uh, communication in between those two times. And I asked him point blank, I said, what are you doing differently this year than last year? And it was amazing the answers. And it was amazing how not only in tune he is to the science that everybody knows him for, but to how he feels as an individual about the game. And I think that comes front and center when those conversations happen, as much as I might want to pick their brain technically, uh, thought-wise, practice-wise, the common questions that most people would ask, what really comes forward is who these people are as individuals, how they feel about the game from every Mm -hmm. angle, and how they envision themselves being when they get my age. I'm only 58 years old, and I look at them, are you kidding me? I think I'm young. And they're like, wow, when I get your yeah. age, I hope I have X, Y, and Z. And it's it's mm-hmm. really amazing to listen to. I think that's uh, I think that's a good one, and you know you can learn so much from from you know these professionals, um, uh, you know their personalities, what have you. Um, that's a great one. Thank you for that, um, Paul. What about you? If you had the opportunity, and and you know if you've had one and you want to just share a, a little bit about that experience, that's fine too. But if you had a pro that you could sit down with for an hour or two, or walk alongside as John did in a pro am. Uh, or what have you, uh, who would it be? And uh, what do you think your conversation would be about? Um, well, I definitely would love to talk to Phil now because I think um, I've, I've been lucky to be able to talk to tour players over the years. And like John, you know, I was, I actually, when I was in high school, started caddying in the pro-am at, at the Western Open in Chicago 
um, because my teacher was uh, who I was lucky and he was well connected. And so I ended up caddying for um, some of the amateur players. And so I got to spend a lot of time around tour players, at least, you know, on those days, once a year and watch them do their business and ask them questions. And it was really um, formative for me, but, you know, now Phil having won the PGA and, you know, he shot this amazing round, uh, the final round that he played, um, you know, he's, he hasn't been the most consistent, certainly not the most consistent player in his over, you know, his career. Uh, mm-hmm. I would want to talk to him a lot about his mindset because he's fallen down a few times in his career. Um, I think those of us who've been around the game remember winged foot. And that was yep. kind of painful to watch, you know? Um, yep. And yeah. he came back and he's now the oldest winner of a major championship in golf history. And he put a lot of work in and he's hilarious on social media. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think he does a really awesome job with that. And I would just love to kind of get a sense of, the way he sees the world now at 51, looking back through his career and how, you know, things that he would have, he's learned and maybe how he might've done things differently and how he'd do them now if he were a young person. Um, I think that would, that would be super interesting. Yeah. I think that would be a good discussion to have and and a good person to have it with. Um, You know, I I remember too, earlier on in Phil's career, you know, he was, um, they thought for sure he was going to rack up majors very early on because he had such a phenomenal short game. I mean, some of the, the yeah, shots that he in hit out in the PG. Right, and, and he just, you know, and he got out there and, and you know, he certainly won some events, uh, but certainly didn't have as big of an outburst as what we thought he would. And, uh, you know, I mean, he knocked at the door a few times over the years, but uh, didn't seem to come through. Or, as you mentioned, Wingfoot was a good example. It was hard to watch, and... And uh, but, you know, when he broke through and, and got that first green jacket, it just seemed to change around. So I think his experience uh, was probably something that he would, um, you know, again, that instinct that he's developed over the years on, on what to do. Um, but, yeah, he'd be one I would probably want to have a chat with. Um, Pete, what about you? Um, anyone that maybe you have? If, if, uh, if not, uh, who would you like to, to, to sit down and, and uh, or, or walk alongside and, and who would it be and, and what would your discussion be? You know, mine's going to be a little bit different probably because I, I'm looking at it from a standpoint of, of being able to help me to help the younger guys who aren't quite mm-hmm. on the PGA Tour yet. You know, I've had conversations with Peter Malnati and who to me has one of the best work ethics of anybody I've ever seen. And, you know, mm-hmm. being able to chat with him, you know, going from the e-golf tour to the, to the PGA Tour in one season. I mean, it, it's just a phenomenal, you know, journey that he was on and being able to witness that and spend some time talking to him and understanding, you know, how a guy that's, you know, he's not one of the top guys to, to be out there. He's one on the PGA Tour, but he's not, you know, you, the, the big names that people don't understand. But to me, it's been very helpful to be able to have conversations with him to understand, you know, at his level, how he was able to move himself along and be able to take that journey to get on the PGA Tour and, and stay on the PGA Tour, you know, and how he moves about, you know, picking and choosing tournaments that he knows that he can play well in 
and avoiding golf courses that he just knows he doesn't play that well in. And, you know, and it's really been unique to, to, to watch him continue to be successful out there. And, and you know, as, as not one of the, the big guys, but I mean, it was a dream of his to play the PGA Tour, and he got there. So I use that mm-hmm. in those conversations to help me to help these younger guys that I'm working on that are on the lower tours that we're trying to move them up and to get them to understand what the work ethic does, to get them to understand that, you know, here's how you have to approach things. And you should look at the events you're playing in and, you know, look at the golf courses and understand what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and be able to, to really take advantage of those and, and, you know, be able to elevate yourself higher than you ever thought you could do just by understanding, you know, how to work to make it happen. So that, that to me was very beneficial um, uh, to being able to do that. And, and, you know, as, and a guy that's not playing now, I'll just give you one more. I mean, I was able to spend three hours on the range with Lee Trevino. It was one of the greatest things I ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, we were supposed, there was a golf course we've been trying to play for forever. And we finally got on and we get to the range and Trevino's there. So we never played. We just talked to him for three hours. So, you know, it's, and it's that kind of thing of just, you know, to me, I, I'm more in discussing swings and how they developed and where'd you come from and why'd you do this and why'd you do that? You know, so that to me is just fuel to help these younger guys get over the hurdle and move themselves up on the tours. I think those are some great answer guys, uh, answers, excuse me. Um, and uh, just on a side note, the three hours, did, did you actually get a chance to, to actually talk to Lee or did he talk the whole time himself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he he sort of you know uh, took a, took advantage of the of the time, but you know it was sure. it was really cool because he understood that we were instructors, and so he was really cool yeah. about getting us to try to figure out why he did what he did, and just yep. from a learning standpoint. So it, it was really, I mean, he was so graceful. It was it was really cool for him to sit there and talk to us, and you know Herman was there too which was kind of cool he just sat on the yep. curtain and ate a sandwich but you know that's Lisa that's what Herman <laughs> does but um you know so right. it was really cool to sit there and, and listen and, and learn but yeah he did uh, he did dominate the conversation for sure yeah I, I would imagine I followed him uh years ago uh when Herman was still uh caddying for him of course uh at the Canadian Open and I followed him on the Sunday at uh around all 18 holes and uh you know obviously i wasn't out on the course with him but i was walking alongside and he was always uh many times he would come over to the side he would talk to people and said hello to me and so forth and and what was really interesting is i would you know you couldn't help but hear his conversation and it was just interesting to hear his thought process because it was much different than what you would you would expect and you know he he as much as he joked around and you know, you look at his swing compared to others on tour, you didn't think that, you know, he just sort of got up there and took a swing at it. But he actually put a lot of thought into what he did, and he was a, really a truly a shot maker. And I think it goes to something that many players today, and I'm not talking professional players, but golfers in general, is they're learning or spending so much of their time wanting to learn how to hit the ball, but not actually playing the game. And, you know, Trevino and, and guys in his area, they knew how to play the game. You know, they they all didn't have perfect golf swings by today's uh, measurement, but uh, they were able to play the game and navigate around the golf course 
with with so much, um, you know, somebody that I would really have loved to. Obviously, it'd be a little bit of a uh, language issue, but uh, I know he can speak English or could speak English. But Sevi Ballesteros would be somebody I would love to have a conversation with because he just had so many, you know, such a passion for the game. I would just love to get inside it, you know, in his head and just to find out, you know, think of not only playing out on the PGA Tour, but being involved in so many Ryder Cups and and just being that that you know a, a energy source for their for Team Europe for so many years, um, you know he would be one that that I would love to uh, to have a, a sit down and chat with. There's really hundreds of players uh, that I would love, but uh, th- those are some great answers. I, I think that would be interesting, um, you know, to to do that. And uh, thank you guys for for sharing that. Uh, all right, as we get ready to wrap up this uh, this segment uh, on Coach's Corner. Um, I'm going to go in reverse order this time uh, backwards, uh, Pete, uh, and then up through John. Uh, uh, sorry, Pete and, and Paul and John. Um, if you want to let the listeners know the best way, if they want to reach out, and if there's anything particular you've got going that you want to plug. Well, thanks, Ted. It's, it's always great to be on, and, and John and Paul, are great talking with you guys tonight. Uh, they can reach me at PeteBuchananGolf.com. All my contact information's out there, and I'm also... Um, of one of the staff instructors in St. Louis Golf Lessons. So that's been a, a, something new for me this year. So either way, they can get a hold of me. And, and um, you know, just uh, as I always say, let's start a conversation because that's the best way to figure out what's going on with your golf game. So that's it. Perfect. Um, Paul, what about you? Um, thank you very much, Ted, for having me. Uh, if anybody's interested in reaching out, you can find me via my website, um, at paulcastergolf.com. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter uh, and Facebook uh, under Paul Caster Golf. Um, And I also have a new app on the App Store, uh, which is also Paul Caster Golf. So um, uh, it'd be be great to meet anybody who wants to reach out. Uh, Thank you, Ted. Appreciate it. Not a problem. I appreciate it as always, Paul. Uh, and John, lastly, uh, best way that folks can reach out to you, and if there's anything you want to plug, go ahead. As always, John Hughes Golf, whether it's social media, my email address, or my website, very easy to take care of there. Looking forward to an adventurous rest of the month with some clientele hopscotching around the country to uh, watch them play a lot of competitive, highly competitive tournaments, but I'm still available for coaching i hope there's somebody anybody reaches out and says hello and allows me the honor of helping them thanks for the honor as well ted to be on on board with you pete and paul always a pleasure same here all right guys well thank you yeah thank you very much as always have a great uh, rest of your week and, and weekend and uh we'll see you next time here on the coach's corner panel on golf talk live thanks guys have a great, great. weekend thanks ted thank you ted. thanks ted all right, that was uh, John Hughes, Pete Buchanan, and Paul Castor, uh, all great uh, golf professionals. Uh, definitely want to uh, check all of them out and through their various social media links and networks. Uh, great group of guys, always happy to have them on the show. All right, we're going to take a quick uh, break uh, to hear a couple of messages, and then we'll be uh, right back here with this evening's special guest. Take a listen. This edition of Golf Talk Live is brought to you by Golf Pal the best place to find only the finest in golf training aids and accessories. Get in on some great deals on leading products such as Down Underboard, Rough Soto, Golf Slingshot and more. Visit golfpal.golf today. 
And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Golf Pal. We're serious about your game. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right. Thank you, everybody, uh, once again for joining me this evening on Golf Talk Live. I'm very excited to have uh, my special guest this evening join me, uh, Hunter Bremer. Uh, he is the Golf Partnership and Outreach Manager at BioLite, uh, which is a great company. We're going to learn a little bit more of that as we go. Uh, he grew up playing uh, competitive junior golf in the Southeast, uh, predominantly at uh, Southeastern uh, Junior Tour events and the AG, uh, AJGA uh, tournaments. Uh, he played his collegiate golf at Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee, and was part of the 2018 SAA Conference Championship team and participated in the Division Three National Championship as well in 2018. Uh, he was hired at uh, BioLite uh, to, to introduce golfers across the Southeast, uh, as and he travels to PGA section and uh, events uh, introducing the brand, uh, the BioLite brand, to thousands of golfers. Uh, and they've actually just partnered with the PGA sections and also with select AJGA events in the Southeast. So please welcome my very special guest, Hunter Bremer. Good evening, Hunter. How are How's you? How's it going, Ted? Hey, I'm good. Thanks so much for How having me. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, glad you were able to, to join me. So let's talk about, before we get into BioLite a little bit, we're going to talk. We've got a little bit of time here, obviously. Um <coughs> I want to get a little bit more background on you. Um, oh, sounds we get we're getting a little bit of feedback here from you. Um, can you hear me? Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Um, I, okay. Yeah, there's getting a little bit of feedback. I'm not sure if it's the mic that you're using or whatnot. Yeah, that sounds like it's. Uh, Is that better? A little bit better. Um, all right, so let me get a little bit of background, a little bit more background on you. So you obviously played junior golf and played uh, some competitive golf through college and that. Um, what drew you to the game first off? And what is it about golf that you really enjoy? What does it do for you? Yeah, so uh, is this better, by the way? I've got – I switched to speaker, and then I switched straight to my phone. Is this a little bit better? It, it's a little bit better. I'm not sure if you're near something, but it's, it's, it must be picking up some feedback because it's, it's uh, getting a lot of loud feedback for some reason. Hmm, let's see. I'm sitting in the car. Let's see if I can hop out and make it better. Is that a little bit better? That's a little bit better there, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, just to go off uh, your first question, um, yeah, so – I've got a big history of golf in my family. Um, my uncle actually played competitive uh, professionally on the Ben Hogan Tour and the Nike Tour. Um, back when those were kind of the equivalent to the Web.com Tour about 25 years ago. And my dad grew up playing. Um, he actually played in college as well. So 
Yeah, I've just got a really big history of golf in my family, and I've always loved the game. And um, I'll never forget when I was about uh, 11 years old, my dad took me out to the golf course, and we had played about six holes, and he said, oh, I bet you want to go join your mom at the pool now. And I said, no, nah, Dad, let's keep playing. And he said, wow, that, that might have been one of the best days ever because he was so excited that I had finally gotten what people call, quote, unquote, the bug for golf. So I was really, really just, yeah. you know, into it at that point and started playing uh, small little mini events uh, in the Atlanta area where my dad could caddy for me in nine holes. And it was a great way for my dad and I to bond and just, you know, really kind of find my love for the game. And I really started to appreciate what golf was and the competitiveness of it and how much it was mental as well as physical. And, yeah, just, I really fell in love with it and just knew that I was attracted to wanting to get really, really good at it. Yeah, and, and you know a lot of uh, a lot of other folks, uh, much like yourself, have uh, similar stories where they've uh, you know grown up playing with their dad or, or, or another family member. Um, we're, we're getting. Uh, I apologize again. We're getting a lot of feedback. I'm gonna um, Hunter. I'm gonna get you to do something for me if you don't mind, and yeah. I'm gonna uh, get you to disconnect and call back in if you wouldn't mind, and we'll see if maybe it's a bad connection. I'm not sure, but it's. We're getting a lot of feedback. I can hardly hear you. Okay, I'll call back. All right. All right, I apologize, uh, folks, for that. We'll see if we can uh, maybe get a, a better uh, connection. Um, sometimes that happens. You get into an area and uh, the uh, cell service or something could be close to a tower or what have you is getting a lot of feedback. So I apologize for that. So we'll hopefully see if this uh, will rectify the situation. Not, we'll have to figure figure something else out but um but anyways um glad you could uh tune in tonight and hopefully we'll be able to continue the conversation and and see what uh what happens here all right looks like he's back so we'll see what uh round two looks like Is that all right better? Hunter, how are you doing much better? better i think uh yeah uh, yes that's perfect yeah perfect. i think sometimes you, yeah yeah i think sometimes we get a uh, you know, with the connection, sometimes when, when folks call in, even on their cell, uh, could be near, you know, close to a tower or something, and it just gets a lot of uh, signal feedback. But, no, that, that's much better. So, uh, oh, perfect. perfect. I'm glad All right, so, hear. yeah, no problem. Um, so, you talked a little bit about how you, you know, sort of grew up in the game and how you, as you said, got bitten by the bug. And I think we've all kind of shared uh, very similar stories in that. Um, once you got out of college, where did you go from there? Did you continue on just, you know, playing some uh, events and things like that, or, or were you just more gravitated towards uh, business? So, funny story, I actually moved out of the country for about nine months when I graduated from college. I moved to Australia, um, and I worked in the wine industry. I worked at a winery for nine months and kind of learned the trade of how to make wine and how to, you know, you know, pick crops and did the whole um, kind of internship learning how to make wine and then came home in March of last year because of COVID. And then, um, yeah, I actually got, I got connected to this job in, I want to say September of last year. And I uh, interviewed and yeah, just with my experience in the golf world and um, how much kind of golf I have in my background, it was a really perfect fit. So I was really excited to kind of dive into this territory of, you know, growing the brand of Violite in the golf atmosphere. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting, and I'm going to get you to, to get into a little bit more of the story behind it, Nat, but I just want to, for, for the benefits of, of the listeners here that may not be familiar with uh, the Violite brand, 
Uh, it's obviously relatively new to the market, um, and it's a little bit different. You know, a lot of people might say, well, is this a, you know, kind of a sports energy drink or what is it? I'm going to get you to, to talk a little bit about specifically what it is in, in a moment, but really what it is is, um, is a rehydration uh, therapy, if you will, very similar to what you would get if you went to a hospital and got an IV. Um, in fact, they, they talk about that. And the founder, Dr. Rollins, of course, uh, out of Atlanta, actually developed this. Um, and I'm going to get you to maybe share a little bit of the story, um, how he came about that and, and, you know, where we are today. Yeah, so Ted, that's a great question. I mean, that's honestly the whole reason that BioLite is a thing is because Dr. Rollins' wife, Janine, had breast cancer about 10 years ago. And before each mm-hmm. chemotherapy treatment that she had, she had to get an actual lactated ringer IV bag, you know, uh, drawn into her bloodstream, you know, through a needle. And she wasn't really a fan of needles, didn't really like the way that the actual IV bag made her feel. And she wanted something that would help her combat all of those, you know, um, uh, symptoms that she was having before going through chemo of, you know, nauseousness and uh, fatigue, headaches, stomach aches, cramping, all that kind of stuff. And so Dr. Rollins, who practices anesthesiology in Atlanta, uh, especially uh, pain treatment, he created BioLite. DIV in a bottle so that you could get all of the uh, benefits of an IV bag, but in a drinkable form. So Janine would start drinking these BioLites before each treatment, and it would help with her headaches, it would help with stomach cramps, it would help with rehydration therapy and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, five or six years later, one of Dr. Rollins' um, daughters said, why don't we try to sell this to the general public? And here we are, you know, four or five years later at the re- retail level, and we're trying to put BioLite into everyone's hands to make them feel better. So it's a really, really cool story, and that's kind of why I have the passion I have to share it with golfers because I know how much better it made Janine feel every time she was going through a chemo treatment, and it's just a really, really cool story to tell people on why the product is, you know, available in the market today. You know, and and you're exactly right. You know, what's interesting about it, um, Hunter, is, is exactly what you just said, is, you know, out of sometimes out of a difficult situation, some great things are developed. And obviously, Dr. Rollins wanted to do something to to essentially help his wife. And ultimately, uh, he's now been able to turn it out to, uh, you know, to the masses, if you will, to help others. And, and I can tell you from personal experience, I know we've all had, uh, you know, or many of us anyways, had moments where we've had to go in for whether it be, a you know, an operation or something and, you know, they hook up to the IV and there's a number of reasons they do that. But one of the reasons they do it is obviously to prevent, uh, you know, dehydration. And, you know, the problem with a lot of the other uh, drinks on the market is that, that have this sort of, you know, rehydration claim, if you will, is a lot of times they're just jack full of sugars and so forth and they really don't do anything other than, you know, kind of get you pumped up for a moment or two, and then you come crashing down later, especially some of these sports energy drinks. And I really, what really caught my eye was the fact that this was sort of based on, you know, his practice, if you will, as an anesthesiologist, and understanding the benefits of, of what an IV bag does um, without actually having to stick the needle in your arm. And I've had that a few times over exactly. my years, so I know what that's like. Um, so I appreciate it from, from that standpoint. So... You mentioned some of the benefits. So how does it compare to a lot of the other stuff? As I mentioned, you know, a lot of them are very, very sugary drinks out there, and I'm not going to name names, but people know who they are, a lot of these energy drinks and sports drinks, and they really don't do a lot. What's in uh, BioLite that 
does a lot of the things that that you guys are talking about? What what specifically is in that that's maybe different than some of the other yeah. products on the market? So the the best tagline that I have about BioLite is you're getting the same amount of electrolytes in one BioLite that you would get in six and a half sports drinks worth of electrolytes. So you know we're not going to name names, but you know pick one of the leading right. sports drinks uh, names, and you know if you drink one of one BioLite, you're going to get the amount of electrolytes that's in six and a half of those. So you're getting all of those electrolytes that you need to, you know, rec- uh, remain in a state of homeostasis where your body is, you know, uh, optimally hydrated. And also one of the biggest benefits of BioLite, in my opinion, versus leading sports drinks is that it has dextrose in it. So dextrose is a mm-hmm. natural sugar that's found in fruit. So our uh, sugar that comes in BioLite actually is derived from monk fruit extract. So it's natural. It's mm-hmm. not going to spike your blood sugar, and it's going to give you natural sustained energy. You know, say if you're on the 10th, 11th, 12th hole of a golf round and you're getting a little tired, a little sluggish, you need some energy. So that dextrose is going to keep you flatlined with energy instead of spiking your blood sugar and then giving you the crash like a lot of those leading sports drinks that you and I were talking about. But also mm-hmm. a lot of the other ingredients in BioLite are glucuronolactone, which is a liver detoxifier. Um, we've got B3, B6, B9, and B12 vitamins, which also help with energy. We've got milk thistle, which is very, very good for stomach cramps and stomach aches. And obviously, one of the biggest misconceptions that I have to teach people about BioLite is the amount of sodium that's in it. So there's close mm-hmm. to 700 milligrams of sodium in one bottle of BioLite. But the biggest misconception about sodium is that it dehydrates you. But when you're working out and you're losing a lot of sodium in your sweat, you need sodium yep. to then retain water in your body. So BioLite is helping you get into that state of homeostasis with the sodium content in the bottle so that once you drink water after you have a BioLite, that, bo- that water is going to be retained so much better and help you stay hydrated. So that's why drinking a BioLite before you drink water on the golf course or before a long cycle or a long run is perfect because once you drink water on top of it, that water is going to allow itself to retain in your body to keep you hydrated. So those are some of the ingredients that are the most beneficial and what separate us from other uh, sports drinks that are on the market today. Yeah. And that's an important point too, because a a lot of times as I, you know, as I pointed out earlier and and you, you've uh, confirmed it, is with a lot of these other energy drinks that are out there is, again, you know, we kind of get hopped up. It's like a sugar fix, and, you know, people think, okay, I've got all this energy now, but then, you know, a little bit later, maybe a half an hour later, you know, you can you kind of have that crash feeling, and it doesn't really do what we want it to do. I wanted to ask you, though, about BioLite, because you, you mentioned something that kind of caught my attention is about drinking it, you know, before you, you drink uh, any water. Um, now, obviously, if you're doing some physical activity, whether you're out playing a round of golf or you're doing something else, um, this is obviously optimal when you want to have it. But you could have it otherwise. Like you don't have to necessarily be doing a physical activity, do you, uh, in order to enjoy it? And if so, is there a point where you drink too much? I mean, I've seen some people down, you know, three or four Gatorades. I'm going to name it, um, which is not good for you, anyways. Do you have to monitor how much you can drink, uh, how often you can drink it? Uh, is any of that uh, something to be mindful of as well? Yeah, so it's kind of a one-off situation. Um, I Like you talked about at the beginning of the show, those PGA partnerships that we have. I was in Kerrville, Texas about two weeks ago, and it was 101 degrees at 9 a.m., which was obviously wow. very refreshing. <laughs> 
And right. um, I, had three, <laughs> right. I had three BioLites that day, and I felt substantially better than I would have if I hadn't. But on a day like that, on a day like when it's 100 degrees, you can have three BioLites because I was constantly sweating and constantly losing that sodium. We don't really recommend right. more than two or three a day because at a certain point you're just going to be, you know, getting rid of those electrolytes through, you know, going to the bathroom. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just kind of depends also on a, upon how your stomach feels because sometimes too many electrolytes at one time can ups, upset the stomach. Sure. So, um, like, that, it's a different kind of drinking too much versus Gatorade and Powerade because Gatorade and Powerade, you know, you have three or four of those, you're having close to 130 grams of sugar, but drinking three or four biolites, you're getting almost too many electrolytes. So um, it kind of, like I said, depends on the scenario that you're in. If you're um, playing golf or out on a day where it's 101 degrees, you don't have to be worried about having three biolites at all. But also, like you said, you don't necessarily have to be physically exerting yourself to have to enjoy a biolite. Like when you wake up in the morning, you haven't had any water throughout the night unless you woke up and had a glass of water. But you know, you're waking up and it's kind of like breakfast. You're breaking the fast of not eating food. You also need to rehydrate by having a biolite because you haven't had any water or any electrolytes go into your system all night. So, and like you said, it doesn't have to necessarily be just an an energy exerting type of activity to enjoy a biolite. I mean, even when you're traveling, you know, have you ever gotten off a plane and your legs feel a little bit, you know, wobbly or you kind of feel a little bit lightheaded? It's because at the altitude you get dehydrated so much easier and that's why we really recommend BioLite when you're traveling as well because a lot of people think, oh, I'm just sitting down on the plane or I'm sitting in the car driving somewhere for a long time. But sitting in that stationary position, you're actually becoming more dehydrated and you need to replenish with electrolytes. So that's why we don't limit ourselves to only enjoying BioLite when we're physically exerting ourselves. That's a great point. I'm glad you pointed that out because I'm probably going to have to travel here uh, very shortly. And I never even thought of that, so I'm taking one with me on the plane when I have to travel. So thank you oh, for, I, I, for pointing I, that out. I travel, on, I travel <laughs> on the plane almost once a week, and I have to have one before I get on because if I don't, my long legs, I'm 6'6", six, six, so I'll get up and I will cramp yeah. like no other. So I would definitely, definitely recommend a BioLite before you get on a plane or in a long car ride or anything that, you know, you're going to be sitting stationary for a long time. You know, people don't think that they're exerting themselves, but mm. your body gets stuck in that, you know, limited mobility that it's in and you need to rehydrate at some point so your body doesn't cramp up and get stuck. Yeah, and that that's something that happens very frequently. You're right on, on flights. I, I didn't even think of that, so that's a great point to make out. So, I mean, obviously there's multiple uses for it, and obviously you know, we're, we're talking golf here, and we're, we're going to get to that in a moment here. Um, but I also like the fact, too, you know, that, you know, you mentioned about getting up in the morning as well. And, you know, if you're getting ready to, to go out in the golf course, uh, that might be a great way to start your day is to, you know, drink a BioLite and, and get your, your body prepared. Because a lot of golfers get out in the golf course, they don't, they're not really hydrated very well to begin with. Uh, they get out there and they get in that heat and uh, maybe they had a, a fast breakfast because they're on the fly um, and they get out there, and after a few holes, they're already dehydrated. And unfortunately, some of them have the wrong kind of beverage. Um, you know, we want to have fun, but, you know, it's not doing you any service out there. And by the time they, you know, get around the turn, uh, you know, they're in pretty rough shape uh, for a multitude of reasons. But uh, so this is a great way to maybe start the day before you even get to the golf course, right? Absolutely. I, I have to admit, though, I mean, I have graduated from college, so I have graduated to the fun beverages <laughs> on the course as well. So I, right. I, I can't sit here and I, I'll play devil's advocate with you and say I've absolutely started to, you know, enjoy myself on the course a little bit more than just competitive golf. But absolutely, you know, golfers, 
you know, you go out on a Friday night with your buddies and you guys set a 9 a.m. tea time and you wake up at 8 and have a quick breakfast and you get to the course and think, oh, wow, my head hurts. I'm a little, you know, a little tired and yep. I need to kind of get some fluids in me and water is just not enough. So Biolite is perfect for that, you know, next day, right before a round. You know you're going to be sweating. You know it's going to be humid and hot, especially, you know, with the weather that we're having right now. And Biolite's the perfect remedy for that in the morning to make you feel better before that round gets going especially since once you drink a BioLite, you're going to help retain that water better that you drink after the BioLite, and that will help you to remain hydrated through the round rather than waiting 9 to 10 holes and having a BioLite and then starting to feel better. So let's, let's sort of scale it out a little bit. So if, if you're playing around, and obviously, you know, right now we're in the, in the throes of summer, and uh, I'm down in the southeast as well uh, in Florida, so I know it can be pretty steamy at times. Um, so obviously, you know, we're going to start the day off maybe with, with the by light and, and, and get everything going in that before we even get to the golf course. Um, one of the problems that I know a lot of people have is they wait to the point when they get dehydrated and then they start, you know, cramming water and whatever else into hydrate. Um, so, you know, if we're going to have, uh, maybe multiple biolites throughout the round, when typically, if we've had one to start the day off before we get to the course, how long after should we maybe consider? When do we decide, okay, maybe it's time for another one? You don't want just because I'm thirsty, but when typically do you recommend um, to get the best benefits out of it? Yeah, I would recommend after about, you know, 10, 11 holes, especially if you're walking. Um, I mean, obviously you're, you're losing sweat if you're walking or you're riding. But, you know, like you said, you made a great point that you don't want to wait until you're feeling those ailments of being dehydrated to drink one. You know, you don't want to wait till oh, my head hurts or, my stomach's starting to hurt. Yeah. I'm feeling a little sluggish or a little dizzy. You know, you want to prepare for that and know that after 10, 11 holes of, you know, exerting yourself physically on the course and, you know, depends on how you're playing or, you know, how much you're walking and you want to pre- prevent that uh, dehydration. So I would definitely recommend one before the round and then mid round kind of 10, 11, 12 yeah. holes in to prevent that sluggishness and that dizziness and that fatigue that you're going to experience after you know, being out in the beating sun for, you know, three, four, four and a half hours because, I mean, you know how much us golfers love to play in the summer and how long these rounds can last. So, yep. um, you know, after three, three and a half hours, you might be only done with 12 or 13 holes, and that's the perfect time to have another BioLite to kind of rejuvenate those electrolyte levels and kind of get your body balanced back out to where it needs to be in terms of homeostasis, in terms of rehydration, and just, you know, allow you to finish the round strong. And also, like I said, that dextrose is going to give you that natural energy that you need to remain energized and focused for the rest of the round rather than spiking your blood sugar and making you tired like leading sports drinks. Yeah, and, and that's, that's extremely important because, you know, we want a snack in that too. And the, the other problem we have a lot of times, I'll see people grabbing a sports drink and they'll grab a, you know, a Snickers bar or something as well, and they're kind of getting a double whammy there because they've got the sugar from the sports drink that's spiking mm-hmm. up, and now they've got sugar from a candy bar or something else, or even, even food sometimes is going to add to it as well. So um, uh, that's a great point that you bring out. So let's talk a little bit more uh, about golf. You guys, of course, have partnered with the PGA sections, uh, in, in, uh, particularly in the southeast and with the AJGA, uh, some of the events and stuff like that. Um, what has been some of the feedback that you guys have gotten uh, so far uh, from some of the players? Obviously, I know you're reaching out to players uh, to get them, uh, you know, to, to start using it and, and trying it. And, and what's been some of the feedback that you guys have gotten so far? I would say that predominantly the most common feedback that I get when people try it in front of me is, oh, wow, that's salty. 
and I will totally admit yeah. to you that it is a salty drink. But like I've explained, yeah. you need that sodium, and that's kind of one of the most fun talking points that I have that I get to talk to people about is, hey, like this is not your typical drink that you need and your typical drink that you've had for the past 20 to 25 years in terms of rehydration therapy because, I mean, this drink mm-hmm. is doing exactly what you need in terms of sodium, in terms of potassium, in terms of chloride to get your body back to where it needs to sweat out what it needs to sweat out and also retain what it needs to retain in terms of staying hydrated. So I love kind of the opportunity when people say, oh, wow, that is salty. And I say, I know it's salty, but you actually need that. And a lot of Olympic runners and track stars and, you know, long distance people and cyclists take salt tablets when they are dehydrated because that allows them to retain the water that they drink better to stay hydrated. So that's another point that I speak to um, when people say, oh, wow, that's salty is that once you get the entire thing into your body and you drink the entire BioLite, that salt is going to work in ways that are going to help you stay hydrated rather than the misconception that they're going to dehydrate you. So I would say that that's the most fun kind of point that I get to teach people about when BioLite is consumed for the first time because I will admit it does have a little bit of a salty flavor to it, but the benefits that you're yep. getting from that salt are what your body needs. So it's a, it's a cool talking point because it's what makes us different and it's what makes BioLite actually better for you in terms of rehydration. Yeah, I think, and that's what I liked about it. I obviously uh, have tried it, um, and, and I concur with what you just said. Um, it, w- it definitely had a different taste than what I um, had been used to having in the past with that. Um, but it, it definitely, I was able to, to notice the benefits because I like to you know, get out and walk and obviously play golf and things like that too. Um, and, and definitely I could, I could, uh, feel a difference. And what was interesting too, is again, it's, you know, it's offered in, in uh, a number of different flavors. So you've added some flavoring to it as well to, uh, uh, you know, to make it, uh, uh more of a tropical and, and berry flavored. And, and also they've got uh, citrus flavor and I've tried all three of them. Uh, so I know they're, they're very, very good, but, um, you know, I, I think the main thing Hunter is, is really, helping people to understand really what the purpose of the, of the drink is for. Cause I, again, it's not, you know, it's not just a, a refreshment drink. It's, it's a drink to actually keep you hydrated throughout the round. If you're playing golf or if you're out doing some other outdoor activity or if you're working out or whatever the case may be, it's truly a hydration uh, replacement therapy uh, as you guys claim, as opposed to just uh, again, sort of getting that sugary high and, and temporary fix, and it's not really uh, giving you the benefits that you deserve. So you guys have connected with, with the PGA, and obviously you, you've had some, some feedback um, from, uh, I'm assuming, some players and other people within uh, the various sections. What sort of, as you look down the road, what, what are they trying to uh, do, do you think? Obviously, you're starting in golf because of your uh, connections and things like that, but is it um, really going after that market alone or are you looking at going after other markets as a uh, as a generic uh, or a or a replacement uh, drink yeah i mean i would say that golf right now is mainly what i'm focused on just because of my background and what i know and my interactions mm-hmm. with people in the golf world and how comfortable i am with that but also you know we're trying out a couple other things like a rock and roll marathon in savannah uh this fall you know marathon runners obviously running 26.2 miles oh, yeah. and need something that's just better than water and you know our our national sales director is actually a big cyclist uh, as long, or 
as well as I am. And, you know, I can't go on a cycle ride without having a biolite and he can't either, or he has one after to uh, rehydrate himself after, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 miles. So um, I, I don't think that we're going to limit ourselves um, just to the golf space. Um, I just think that that's one of our biggest focuses because, one of the mis- biggest misconceptions about being a golfer is that it's a leisurely sport, which it is. It's very oh, yeah. slow and it's slow right. compared to other sports, but you're still exerting your body in ways that you need to rehydrate and to get your electrolytes into you in some way uh, or some fashion. So that's why I think that it's such a good opportunity to attack this golf space because golfers don't know how badly they need rehydration. And I, it just, it makes me so excited every time I get to put this product into a golfer's hand because of how much better it makes them feel on the golf course. Have you guys uh, had the opportunity, obviously, again, you know, you're, you're dealing with some, some of the junior golfers and that, but have you guys had some opportunity to try? Cause I could see particularly for some more seasoned golfers or older golfers, shall we say, definitely benefiting as well from this you know we're we're you know i'm getting up there i'm 58 so that gives you an idea of what you're dealing with um so you know as we get a little bit older okay. obviously I my we dad don't have old and he's 58 <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm getting there let's just put it that way i'm, I'm knocking on the door but but you know for for you know some of the older golfers out there i mean you know, most of them obviously are, are probably driving a, a, a golf cart. But as you said, even sitting down out in that heat in that after a while, um, you know, maybe with something like BioLite, uh, you know, some of these guys that maybe have whittled down to, you know, only playing nine holes because they just can't go 18 anymore because they don't have the energy or the stamina to do it. Um, this might be an opportunity to help them out. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, uh, this product is not limited to just, you know, 20s and 30 year olds. Sure. I mean, if anything, it'll help. Uh, the more mature crowd even more because, you know, it's easier to get dehydrated. You know, unfortunately, as our bodies get older and older, it's harder to stay in as good a shape as we would have liked. And, you know, it's it's the perfect product, all golfers of all ages. I mean, like you said, if someone's limited to playing eight or nine holes of golf just because of the way that they're feeling in terms of dehydration, then Biolite is a perfect cure for that so that they can keep going because, obviously, you know, we don't want rehyd- or dehydration to restrict people from not being able to play. So, yeah, I mean, if anything, it's almost even better for the older crowd because of how much easier it is to become dehydrated when your body gets a little bit older and, you know, metabolism and the the just whole system of the body doesn't work as high-functioning as it did when you were younger. So, yeah, I mean, BioLite is perfect for older golfers as well. Yeah, something to look forward to, Hunter. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I can something... tell you how excited I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just talk to your dad. He'll set you straight. Um, no, I'm <laughs> kidding. It's, uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, you know, I, I can really see something like this. Because, again, I've, I'm not going to you know, lie. I've tried other, you know, I always say, well, you know, you need to have this because electrolytes, I understand the importance of that. And I've tried some of these other drinks. And, and you know, they're, some of them are tasty and, and whatnot. But the truth of the matter is they really don't, have not done anything because you're not, you're not getting enough of, as you said, the, the um you know, the sodium and obviously some of the electrolytes that you would in a biolite. Um, so in order to, to sort of get that, you'd have to have several of them. And uh, and that has its own effects that are not pleasant, um, you know, when you're drinking a lot of these. So, um, you know, I can see some very, very big benefits to uh, drinking uh, this particular product. 
um, and, and being able to, you know, to increase that stamina out in the golf course and just to, to feel better. I mean, it, like you said, there's nothing worse than you're out there and you're hitting around 10, 11, 12, and you're kind of running out of steam and you've got a good round going, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're just not hitting the, the shots as well anymore because you don't have the energy and you just don't have the, the stamina because you're, you're, I mean, let's face it, you're dehydrated. It, that's what happens. And uh, obviously oh, yeah. you guys I mean, have, you know, yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you, Ted, I mean, I had lots of 36-hole days when our coach would just give us a Powerade Zero or a Powerade. And, you know, not to say that Powerade's <laughs> bad, but when you're walking 36 holes, you're walking close to 12 miles. I mean, you need something that right. is going to literally make you feel better. I and mean, that is our main goal at Violet is to help people feel better. And I unfortunately didn't have this product as much in uh, – the golf space growing or growing up in, in collegiate golf as, as I wish I had. But I mean, seriously, you need something that is going to replenish what you have lost over walking that many holes uh, better than just regular sports drinks that are going to spike that blood sugar. So, you know, that's why, you know, Biolite is just really a really good product for golfers. So that's why we're trying to attack this space. Well, I think it's a, a great, uh, great product. And as I said, I've actually tried it. Um, uh, I was uh, shipped a few bottles and uh, I've, I've tried them and, and they're very, very good. Actually, uh, it's, it's a great product. So let's talk about availability. Um, I obviously I know BioLite has a website, uh, which I'm sure you can probably get through there, but is it also available uh, in stores? And if so, where can, can the folks uh, get their hot little hands on them? Yeah, so we have distribution in about uh, 13 states right now, predominantly in the southeast. Arizona is the farthest that we are uh, out west, but predominantly at Racetrack, Quick Trip, Ingalls, Kroger, Publix, Piggly Wiggly, Circle K, and now it's also available on Amazon. So if, you know, for some reason we don't have distribution at one of those retail outlets that you're in in one of your cities or wherever you live, um, Amazon is a great way to get it shipped directly to your house. So, um, yeah, the availability has become uh, very, very, um, very large across the Southeast at a lot of different outlets. So, like I said, you know, when you're on that long road trip and you stop at a quick trip or a racetrack, that's a perfect place to get it. Or if you're just at your house and, you know, you maybe don't have a distribution point near you, then you can order it right off of Amazon. So we've got a lot of different outlets to make sure that people don't have a problem with getting Violet into their hands. And they can get it right through the, the website as well, can they not? I, th- I believe you can order it through the so we, website we as well don't or no? Do direct, we don't do direct-to-consumer through the website yet. Um, we're not there as a company okay. um, just quite yet. But, um, you know, we're hopefully working towards uh, where we can be at that point at, or someday. Um, but right now we are not available currently um, just on the website. But if you go to our website, there's also a map where you can put it in your zip code, and it will tell you where BioLite is available nearest to you. Oh, okay. And I mentioned some of the flavors earlier. I know there's tropical, citrus, and berry. Are those uh, the three available flavors right now? And is there some other flavors that uh, you guys are working on that may be coming out yeah. in the near future? I forgot to mention uh, some feedback that I've gotten from golfers is that berry has been the predominant favorite amongst golfers. So I forgot to mention <laughs> that. But um, we do have a couple more flavors coming down the pipeline, I'm hoping to launch one. Uh, either late this year or early in the first quarter of next year. But, um, yeah, Tropical Citrus and Berry are our three available flavors right now. And, you know, it's an exciting drink because we can kind of explore some flavors and get some feedback from consumers and see what they want to see in the market next. So we're definitely in the works of uh, getting some more flavors out there into um, consumers' hands. Yeah, and and they're all good. I mean, I I, I think – 
I think the, the I, I like the citrus and, and obviously the tropical, but I have to agree with the the others. I think the berry was just something about berries are, are taste good and uh, it was a good flavor to have. What about other products? Do you do you? I mean, and obviously maybe there's some things that you can't uh, divulge at this particular point, but um, are there other products that they're thinking of of coming out with similar products or other other areas? Um, that uh, Dr. Rawlings is is looking at uh, maybe adding to the to the lineup. So right now, Biolite's the only product that we have. Um, I'll be honest, I'm completely honest with you. I don't think that we have any other different types of products coming down the pipeline. Um, uh, I I don't know of anything um, to be honest with you, other than just Biolite. So I think that's what we're going to have in the market predominantly for you know the foreseeable future. Um, definitely don't have anything crazy coming at you guys anytime soon. <laughs> Well, you know what? It, it, I think right now, you know, obviously with um, with, with what you guys have and, and really what it does, I think that's, you know, sometimes you get too many things going and it actually works against you. So I think if you've got something that's working, you stick with that and, you know, you might expand on that alone. But sometimes having too many different uh, products available sometimes isn't always a good thing either. Um, you know, you can kind of get into a position where you dominate the market with what you're coming out with now uh, and and be known for that. So, you know, that might be a good thing. Let's uh, go with your strengths, in other words. But it, it's definitely Absolutely. a great product. I highly yeah, I highly recommend it. And uh, just to, to let the, uh, uh, the folks know, they can go to Drink BioLite, and it's B-I-O-L-Y-T-E dot com. Uh, and as Hunter uh, mentioned, you can go on there and – Lots of good information. If you want to find out a store near you, you can go in there and put in your, your zip code, and it will give you uh, some store locations near you. Or if you're traveling, uh, particularly here in the southeast, uh, you can uh, find out uh, en route if there's some spots, if you need to uh, stop along the way and you want to pick that up. And then also, too, as you mentioned, it's available on Amazon as well, which obviously is everywhere. So uh, if you want to get it and you not happen to be living in the southeast, that's okay. You can uh, order it on Amazon and, uh, and have it delivered directly to your home before you head out uh, to the golf course. So uh, a lot of great ways to do that. Um, Hunter, I think it's a, a great product, and I appreciate you, you coming on and, um, and sharing a little bit about this product, and I, I will be more than happy to uh, continue to promote it. I think it's, it's great. I've actually, as I said, I've tried it, uh, several of them, and I think it's, uh, it, it's um, uniquely different than what's currently available out in the market. And I think it's, uh, I think it's going to do uh, very, very well. Awesome. Well, Ted, I really appreciate you having me on. I uh, am very excited to, you know, teach your listeners about exactly why BioLite is beneficial for not only golfers, but athletes in general. And I really appreciate the support and, you know, looking forward to uh, continuing to spread the word with you in the future. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to checking out the, the new flavors as they come available. So uh, keep me posted when they come available. I I'll definitely would love to try those out as well. But um, thank you guys for uh, for the ones that I did get. I appreciate it. And as I said, uh, um, definitely some uh, great. Uh, it's a great product, and I strongly encourage my audience to uh, visit the website, learn a little bit more about it. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more information on the website than what we talked about here tonight. But uh, it's definitely a great product. And if you're heading out to the golf course, uh, again, you can check out a store location near you. And uh, maybe you can stop by and pick one up on the way to the course. Um, Hunter, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks to you and, and your team at, at BioLite. And thanks uh, to uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Rawlings and his uh, wife for uh, 
putting this together. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Hunter. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Hunter Bremer, uh, the Golf Partnership and Outreach Manager at BioLite. And again, it's a, it's a great uh, product. Um, I, I definitely uh, recommend it, uh, especially if you uh, walk on the golf course. But even if you're on a, a golf cart and you're driving, uh, you know, you're going to burn some of those electrolytes, if you will, and and uh, feel a little lethargic as you get around the turn. So definitely uh, check it out. Go to drinkbiolite.com. That's drinkbiolite.com. Uh, you can check it out there, and you can find out some of the store locations as well. Um, but uh, definitely go and check it out. All right, I want to thank again, obviously, uh, Paul Castor, John Hughes, and Pete Buchanan for joining me a little bit earlier on uh, the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, guys, for a great discussion. And uh, also, again, thanks to Hunter for coming on and, and talking a little bit about the uh, BioLite product. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. I look forward to uh, seeing you guys next time. Next week, I will not be doing any shows. I will be off on holiday, so there will not be a Golf Talk Live or Women of Golf next week, uh, the week of uh, uh, beginning, I believe it's the 12th uh, on uh, Monday. So next week, there will not be uh, shows here, so you can go back to uh, our archive section and listen to some previously aired shows in the meantime and I will be back the following week uh, with both shows so hope you'll tune in uh, but God bless have a great weekend everybody and thank you for tuning in to Golf Talk Live we'll see you next time thanks for joining us we hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live we'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.